0: Welcome to all of our new and existing relatives and listeners. This is the Healing Dojo podcast series brought to you by the Her Wellness Institute in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us as we engage in meaningful conversation around the complexities of our collective and individual healing. Listen along with us as we freethink and practice CAM, Community Activated Medicine, where the people are the medicine. Come as you are and let's begin.
1: How have you been able just to use your platform um, and your role to help shift and elevate what healing approaches need to look like, you know, for our communities of color? We're on the heels of probably two decades of this rush for organizations, practitioners, programs, systems, services to call themselves trauma-informed. But largely the trauma-informed frameworks that have been accepted adopted are decontextualized from history, um, decontextualized from how colonialism and imperialism have caused uh, harm across generations, uh, decontextualized from the impacts of enslavement, and then all that happened after. We were just talking about, you know, enslavement that ended with, whoops, you know, that was not, that was not nice what we did. If We were just talking about Period, it's hard to even imagine. Like, how do you even just talk about genocide and say, well, you know, we did that, but now we're 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 gonna stop it. We're gonna, we're gonna get out of the way and let human healing happen. That is not what happened. And so for generations and centuries, the centuries since the original sins that occurred in the founding of this nation, in the building of this nation, there were efforts decade after decade after decade to perpetuate harm, further harm to ensure subjugation or destruction of uh, black and native American peoples in this country. And then uh, by association, any Brown immigrants uh, to this country um, were also sought out for harm. And so, you know, You can't talk about trauma-informed care and only look at the family, only look at the dyad of the parent and child and wag your finger without more deeply and historically contextualizing, how is it that this family is in this state? How is it that children in, in a community of people who are the descendants of Human beings who have capacity to heal and nurture and love on and care for and educate their children, how is it that we see such deep despair, such disparate outcomes, early death? That has to be contextualized in history. And that is the conclu- That's a conclusion that I've only more recently, I'll say, uh, been courageous enough to say out loud. I was first trained in trauma informed practice in the ACEs study 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now. And I sat there thinking, ah, oh, I see how my people, my community have, has been harmed. I see and understand the realities that impact my family today so differently because I understand what developmental trauma can do and the association that it has to these really horrifying health outcomes and early death. Ah, oh, it makes sense to me. And yet that was, it did not feel welcome in the space to say, ah, I think we might be onto something here, right? Right? And so I just kind of, um, and and I I reflect on this often, like, is this internalized white supremacy in me? Is this internalized anti-Blackness? What is this thing that kept me from saying out loud at the time and in the course of training that occurred since then, hey, this is, we need to talk about racism. We need to talk about genocide. We need to talk about colonialism and and imperialism if we want to understand the communities that are disproportionately showing up in our programs and services. And so I did that in my own way and certainly began to share as I began to teach trauma-informed care. And then getting to know um, Dr. Perry, the community of indigenous practitioners that Dr. Perry has worked with around the globe, right? So the Aboriginal people of New Zealand and Australia, they, they're also like, NMC, yes, we need to, we need to talk, we need to share. Um, the, the Native American community here in the States, like lifting up their babies and saying, this is, look, and, and tying the healing back to culture. Because that's the other thing that trauma-informed practice it without careful consideration will do is acculturate healing mm-hmm. and, and assume that these Eurocentric um, mm-hmm. theories are fact and the healing, the indigenous and um, intuitive healing capacity within black and brown communities. And I like to call them the people of the global majority the, that there is intuitive healing. There are healing practices. There are healing rituals and routines that are in our culture. Some of them we might need to claim or reclaim or pull back from the appropriation that's occurred. But there are healing mechanisms that are available to us and we've forgotten because we have had that healing work acculturated as I'm calling it, saying it in this moment, um, or assimilated. And I have to say, be careful with yoga. If you are teaching yoga and you are not teaching its historical spiritual cultural foundation, then don't do it that, that's where I'm at now same thing with mindfulness If you're out here thinking he invented mindfulness and meditative practice like pull back I'm not saying don't practice it I'm saying understand the cultural roots because then you you understand that the people of the global majority have the capacity to heal themselves. And I will argue that European culture, as you said,
2: Allison, I- has the ability to heal itself. Yeah. Claim and reclaim your stuff too. Well, you know what, Habiba, what I like about what you finally said, because I was waiting, you know, I think race as a construct is a lie. So- no, I mean, it's
1: important to understand that, so race is a construct, it is a lie. White supremacy is a construct and a lie, but it, they are both doing real harm. And so we all have work to do. If we want to live on this planet in peace and solidarity and wholeness and in harmony with the planet, we have to release the notions that, um, that white Europeans are, are supreme or people of European descent are supreme and everyone else on the planet, the, the remainder of the people on the planet are to be subjugated or destroyed mm-hmm. and their resources taken and exploited. Like we have to disrupt that, we have to upend that, but there is a strong force against that because it serves of a, a, a small minority to keep things as they are. And so we have so much, so much healing work to do And that, you know, here's where I talk about like doing that work in the absence of justice, because it's how do you write 500, 600 years of such extreme and profound wrong?
2: What I learned from Leah in this process is that intergenerational trauma goes back before enslavement. Yes. Humans for millennia now have made very dynamic choices, that create fear and trauma. And I know we have limbic systems and I know we can go into that, but you're absolutely correct. How there, you're right. It has to be done regardless of the injustice. I often talk about it as if we went to Mars, we need a spacesuit because the climate is so bad. Yes. So what you're talking about is the climate Yes. and that we need to ultimately have our own space suit, our own sense of uh, air, if you will, our own climate, that allows us to uh, facilitate that healing in injustice. Mm-hmm. So what yes. we have to do is do our part so that we can care for ourselves. I mean, that's the that's the beautiful part about Cam, and I, and I'm so excited. I'm so go ahead. You was about to say something about the climate and the injustice.
1: Yeah, I mean that you you've clenched it there. It's like we we have to pursue our wellness and our well being as human beings who mm-hmm. are the inheritors. Of really deep and, and globalized trauma. You know, yeah. I think what is unique to this construct of white supremacy, anti-blackness, and um, and racism on the whole is how globalized the impact has been yeah. and how harmful this these constructs have been to the economy of the world, to the access to resources, to the creation of borders. You know, we're talking about national borders, but right here in the States, all of the gerrymandering that has happened, right. all in service to ensuring that there is an imbalance in access to resources. And, you know, my mom and I were talking the other day, I said, there was a time like human beings, if, if the if the environment got hostile, you could move. And there was no one blocking your way saying, no, no, we know that that part of the, the land is now arid and, and food is scarce, but there's the there's an invisible line here you can't cross no yeah. human beings got to walking and finding f- fertile land and finding abundance of resources and we live in this this society now for for several centuries where there are these these blockades mm-hmm. th- keeping certain individuals from accessing resources both geographic resources right so here's the wall you can't come up in here even though you know you have every right to be on this continent in this hemisphere as anybody else because technically your ancestors were probably here first. That creation of these falsehoods, upending our ability to be humane to one another, Mm. disrupting our ability to show each other kindness and generosity and love and support and to see one another well, like that is a hindrance to our wellness. And so we have to make do in the environment we've inherited um, by making ourselves well, our progeny well, those children we care for or that we birth, helping them to be well, helping the people in the community with us to be well, coming into community with others so that we can be well together. Um, because y- y- there are just so many harms that reparations ain't gonna fix it. Um, no. I fear sovereignty for Native American communities. will It will not fix it. You cannot... The, I imagine there is a way, if we wanted to truly figure it out, a way to create sovereignty and liberation um, and repair. But until that day, we have to figure out how to, how to not only survive, but to thrive so that we can stay in the struggle, you well, know, stay in the struggle for
2: justice. What I love about what you're saying, especially the thriving part, is that that is what we hand to our descendants. I feel like that is the um, opportunity that we have every day is to hold our humanity and to actually embolden it. Because this is a journey, right? The earth is a journey. There's no one, there's no one that stops here. This is, the, this is the visiting space. So while you're here, there's an opportunity to heroically hold on to your humanity. You were leaving anyway.
0: Hmm.
2: And then you get to pass that on. And so I just love what you, I love the whole conversation. What I would love it to know is, is there anything you would love for our audience to know that they can carry with them as they practice? Because one of the beautiful parts about our audience and the people that listen is that these are all practitioners of that humanity, that humane, that, that wellness, right? We are here at Her Wellness and this is community-activated medicine. So is there anything you would love to share with our community? Because they, w- I'm sure would appreciate any encouraging or insightful or thoughtful words that can help us continue that vision you're talking about.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'm reflecting on, on the words I, I wrote in preparation for this conversation. And so what I will say to you is what um, I would have hoped or perhaps needed someone to say to me in my early career or in my period of study, which is um, you are worthy of healing. You are worthy of wellness. You can achieve healing and wellness um, through freedom dreaming. Um, I'll I'll take that term from Dr. Bettina Love. Um, Imagining a future of liberation and working together, coming into community with folks who are interested in freedom dreaming with you and helping to build that, um, that, that world, that society of wellness that we all are in so, so desperate need of. Um, I would offer that for those who are people of the global majority, I offer that you are enough, um, that this world has told you that you are less than, you are an imposter, you are um, unable to achieve at the same level as, as, as uh, your white colleagues or peers or friends, I would offer to you that you absolutely are enough, uh, whether you choose to go hard like my ancestors told me, work twice as hard, right, to get half as far, you can choose that or you can choose to rest in your identity of who you are and create the the world that you desire for yourself and for your community and for your people in whatever way that you choose to do that. Um, And and I will offer to um, our white colleagues and friends, um, stay in the struggle, Um, join the struggle. We are in a battle for our humanity. Uh, You are disadvantaged by the legacy of your heritage, um, the legacy of enslavement and colonialism and imperialism and capitalism that relies on the exploitation of bodies, the bodies of children and vulnerable people. You are deserving of your humanity, claim that humanity, work in service to that humanity, get in the struggle with us, join us in the co-conspiratorial work of liberation. Um, and I, I take that word also from uh, Dr. Pet- Bettina Love, I, I keep naming her. I know she is an inheritor of knowledge and ways of knowing. So I know that, um, you know, there are the, the, the ancestors and the, the, the thinkers who inform her work, but be a co-conspirator in this work. Um, resist that urge to rest in either guilt or shame or I don't know what to do or not me it wasn't my 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 people some some white folks are immigrants right to this country fleeing oppression from their part of their their ancestors part of the world I understand that and appreciate that and yet whiteness continues to do harm and inflict damage and violence. And so as a member of a community that identifies as white, please join the, join the struggle, be in the struggle, stay in the struggle. I am so grateful myself to know women specifically in my personal life who are in the struggle with me. It's something real to be able to say to your white friends and allies and co-conspirators that I am hurting and they are hurting with you. That their tears that they might shed are for you not for them and the guilt or the shame or the pain that they're feeling so um yeah let's let's do this that's how i feel about it let's do this we do this work through healing um i'm interested in folks doing this work across every sector healthcare, business social services justice we have much work to do
2: thank you so much for your your words and um, I'm honestly just in in awe of, of everything
1: our conversation just want to thank you for again the opportunity to be able to just connect with you and and really bring and shed light onto you know the shift of, of consciousness and thinking of how healing um, will look uh, and bringing that awareness of, their resiliency that we all have, and that we will continue to pass down to those that are coming
0: uh, after us. Thank you for listening and reflecting along to this episode, relatives. We hope the content and thoughts you experienced will continue to ignite the healing within. We encourage you to continue the conversation by scrolling through our other podcast episodes, as some of them may have a part two or three, and a reflection. We wish you all the love and good energy as you move forward in your healing journey. It is our honor to be here with you. Be sure to check us out on our Facebook page or at www.herwellness.org. And that is spelled H I R wellness.org. Take care relatives.